0: for the awesome presence of God. He loves us. He cares for us. I'm going to dismiss the uh, kids to Sunday school. You guys have fun in Sunday school. (laughs) (laughs) Well, one of the exciting things today that we have happening after church, we have a baptism. There we go. A little bit of a delay there. We rejoice when someone gets baptized. We rejoice when someone repents because it is what we are supposed to do as Christians. We rejoice if, as heaven rejoices, we rejoice. So, I'm excited for that. So after church, we'll have that. If you um, would like notes for today's sermon, you can go to. Myhope.life forward slash sermons, and you can pull them up in your Uversion Bible app. Fancy little thing that I've been doing since the beginning of the year. <sighs> I hope you like it, because I put work into it. <laughs> I try to make it look nice <laughs> for you, <laughs> so you can take notes. And you know what? I'll be honest. Like, I was a non-note taker here. Like, if I take notes, like, I was talking to Alicia about this the other day. Like, I struggle when it comes to taking notes. like <laughs> I write down what someone says, and if I don't get like the last word, I don't hear anything else in the entire rest of the speech. I'm like, well, now I'm lost. <laughs> so um, we got that, and I, I think I've got my thing figured out, so I'll be able to use it like I would have a clicker. For some reason, I can't find the clicker. I think Millie was playing with it and using the laser pointer on it. I'm kidding. I just wanted someone to blame, and Ashley's not here to blame her. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> a couple of announcements. Um, this last Tuesday, we started our Bible study on Corinthians. Um, I think everybody enjoyed it. It sounded like it. Everybody was talking during it, and that is a good sign. People felt comfortable talking about it. Um, and so, I gave some pre-study questions, um, and there is this week will be on Corinthians chapter 2. So, if you're wondering where we're going to be studying this Tuesday, it's Corinthians chapter 2, and... I'm going to keep putting the questions out here. So if anyone wants the questions, I actually have them this week, Uh, Shirley. I I got yellow ink so that I could print my black ink. I don't know why my printer was like, can't print this. Sorry, doesn't work. I know you just want black, but you need yellow ink in it for it to work. So I had to get yellow ink so that the black ink would work. That doesn't make any sense to me. (laughs) The body of Christ works better than a printer. (laughs) Sometimes when we're missing a part, we can still function. <laughs> oh, that was a funny joke. <laughs> made me laugh. Um, and then there's a cleaning list. Uh, for those that um, had signed up, we, put, um, we made a list of all the things that we do on a Sunday, and you can just initial buy it when it's done. Um, so for all of you that had signed up, I think there was like six or so people on that list your names are also on the list. Um, in the office, right as you like walk into the office, which is like down this hallway over here, just walk in there and it's like right off to your right as soon as you walk in, turn like that. i will be right there on the wall and you can see vacuuming and all those things. All right, let's get started with this today. Um, the Focus Scripture, we are on a series, Forgotten Love. Uh, this is week two. And the question is, is how do we love? The focus scripture is John chapter 21, verse 15. It says, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. So in this, uh, in this passage, I think sometimes it can be confusing why did Jesus say this to him? So how do we love? Is our love conditional? Is it temperamental? Or is our love freely given? Let's talk about this for just a moment. Is your love conditional? I like you, Jackie, so I will give you love. I like you, Lori, so I give you love. Jim, where's Jim? Jim, I like your Vikings jacket, so I'll give you love. Like, you align with the things I like, right? But like, Craig, I don't like your shoes, so I got no love for you. Is our love conditional based on what we observe and what we see, or is our love freely given, right? So maybe you agree with me, and so I love you. Oh, I have the same views politically as you, so now I love you because we're uh, allies in the political game. Or, or is it like I don't care what they believe, I love them because I was called to love? Now, I won't, I won't say this. I'm not going to say that, you know, like, oh, if a person is living in sin, you know, like, you don't have to be a jerk to them. I mean, let's, let's be honest. How many of us probably sinned in the last week? I will, you know what, I will put my hand up. In the last week, I know I have sinned. In the last 24 hours, I may have done some things I shouldn't have done. And I'll be honest, in the last 24 hours, I was pretty just tired and just (laughs) slept. (laughs) Um, So, however, we all sin. We all make mistakes. But that doesn't mean that I should treat you bad or treat you poorly. But we are called to come out from that. Okay, so is our love temperamental? when I'm angry, I say hurtful things. I've been angry with my wife before. I loved my wife this morning when she walked in there. I was kind of, I was just feeling frustrated this weekend and just like agitated. And my wife came in there today and she's like, I'm feeling agitated. She's like, can I pray for you? I was like, well, you already shut the door. You've already trapped me in here. So yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Go ahead. (laughs) I will never turn down prayer. (laughs) I wasn't even mad at her or angry with her, but I'm sure that my agitation was somehow being taken out on her and not what I intended to do. So is our love temperamental? When I'm happy, I talk differently. When I'm happy, I'm like, oh... I'd, Grammy knows. Okay. I do. I talk differently when I'm happy than when I'm upset or angry. Now, let's talk about this. Is love freely given? This is the most dangerous thing that we can do as humans, is give our love away. When I tell someone I love them, in a sense, I am giving them my love and saying, don't hurt me. How I many of you have been hurt by someone before? Yeah. <laughs> I have had Uh, past relationships that weren't great. I've had different things, and I gave love to them because I felt like I could trust the situation, but then turns out, I don't know, they they blame me, but whatever, you know, (laughs) it was them, not me. (laughs) I mean I'm sure there was a level of it that was me but let's just be honest we all make mistakes and there is fault on both sides um, and we've got to own that up so we feel it feels good to give the love away though it feels good until we're hurt and so then when we get hurt remember last week we talked a little bit about how sometimes we'll have triggers sometimes a person places things will cause us to like clam up and we won't we can't move forward in our lives we can't move forward in what God's doing and so we're we're worried and in this same thing here, when I give my love away and then I'm hurt, well, now I don't really feel like giving my love away. We've received love of Christ, right? And that was freely given. And the Bible says that we should freely give it. So there is a distinction, though, between my love and God's love. I may not be able to give you my love, but I can give you the love of God. I can tell you about the love of God. And in doing that, I teach someone that God loves them, that God came, that he... he I'm going to read a scripture here. Um, let me just move forward here. There we go. Um, 1 John 4, 7 through 11, we'll be going through. And it says, Dear friends, let us love one another, because love is from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God And knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. So in the very next scripture in verses, well, let me, I want to read nine here. Uh, So it says, so that we might live through him. One of the things that's important is we recognize that we live through him, not of our own, not of our own abilities, but through him. And then the next part of the scripture, it says, Carl, oh, I want to hit that next one. It's number four. Um, and verse 10, it says, love consists in this. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, this is verse 11, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. So when I was writing this down, this part really stuck out to me. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. It wasn't the love that I had for him, but it was the love that he had for me. And so when I give God's love, It's not contingent on my ability to like a person or agree with a person, but it's to give the love of God. Now, if a person rejects that love, that's not them rejecting me. Sometimes it feels like that, but it's them rejecting the message of God. All right, so the love of Christ is that he died for us. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man, than this that a man lay down his life for his friends that's that's a big deal could you lay down like I could, I know I mean I'm pretty certain that I could lay down my life for my wife I would love to say that I could lay down my life for any of you but I don't know like I'll be honest like I'm looking over here at Alicia she's been kind of mean to me you know like <laughs> she hasn't <it>, I'm kidding <laughs> Well, Joe didn't smile at me today, <laughs> you know. Like maybe, maybe I wouldn't die for him, you know. But that's not how God chose to d- to die. Like it wasn't based on what. Oh, this person they were so good. It was those that were hungered, uh, hungered and thirsted for righteousness. They would be filled. Like this all just kind of goes together. If you want the love of God, you've got to have a hunger and thirst. For God, like, don't expect him just to jump into your life and make make things better. Like, you've got to, like, God, I need you in my life. So these scriptures don't say, like, accept. in these cases. They're like, this is love. I love with the gospel message. By presenting the gospel message to someone, that is not necessarily, yes, it takes time of my own, but it gives God's love. And you know what? God's love is so much better than my love because my love, well, I'm probably going to hurt you. I'm probably going to do something that upsets you, that makes you angry. You may even question your relationship or your, your the, you may even question the existence of God because of something that I do. And the last thing that I want is to be a stumbling block for someone. Great teachable moment happened. It was either this week or last week. I was making a joke on a, um, on a post, and it was 100% sarcasm. And uh, normally I do this in the minister's group that I'm a part of that nobody else can see. But however, this one time just happened to be out there for the whole public to see, and someone was um, being upset about a picture about some young people worshiping, and the lights were dimmed, and the, there was lights and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know. The Bible says we're children of the light, not darkness. And we know that that light, it has to be, a, you know, at least a warm light, you know, not, not a colored light. They're for sure not purple. And then uh, I said, we know that God's spirit can't move in dimly lit buildings. And it was a joke. It was 100% sarcasm because I was so agitated that these people were, like, ripping on these kids for worshiping, and there was, they you know, like this. <laughs> Nothing crazy. And... Uh, I got a message and they were like, hey, I've never seen this in the Bible. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. I went and deleted my comment because the last thing I want to do is like someone be like, think I was being serious. And so I went and deleted the comment. I was like, this is a very good teachable moment for me. I went and had to tell my wife, I was like, hey, remember that comment that I told you that I made? Normally, my wife is the one that is my sounding board for any of these. I don't have to ask her in the minister's group that I'm a part of, but when it's general public, I generally ask her, hey, is this okay to say? Well, this time I was like, ah, it's fine. I was in one of those moods in the morning and I was just like (laughs) trolling everybody. I got that message. Boy, God touched my spirit right then in that moment. was like, hey, (laughs) straighten up. (laughs) The last thing I want to do, and that showed me how easy it is if I say something that, you know, like I could be sarcasm, but I mean, obviously like, you know, Facebook and all that stuff, you know, just takes away from, you can't read sarcasm sometimes. Um, And so like that was a really teachable moment what I said could affect someone else. Man, the last thing I want to do is say something that affects someone in a negative way in their relationship with God. To be clear, I think God can move in a dimly lit place. Like it says, in, uh, the earth was without form and void. Darkness was upon the face of the earth. And then the Spirit of God started to move. So well, the Spirit of God was on the depths of the water in the darkness. So in the darkness, God works. <laughs> so, <laughs> but this is also a good level of light. <laughs> Uh, just to be clear. (laughs) So when I give love of God, it's not them rejecting me. But that's the hardest part when I go to tell someone about the love of God is feeling as if they rejected me. And so what do we do the majority of the time? We translate the hurts that someone has caused to us into the same thing with our relationship with God. Well, if I give this, I'm going to be hurt. If I do this, I'm going to be hurt. And so I can't give the love of God now because I've been hurt in the past and I haven't let God heal those wounds. I believe that God can heal wounds from relationships. I believe that God can heal marriages. I believe that God can touch people's lives in such a way that the past, yes, it's there and you recognize it, but it doesn't continue to follow you and hold on to you because you've become a new creation in Christ. So let's jump in to this next scripture here. Romans 5, 6 through 10, it says, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For you and I, when we were helpless, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for, for a just person, though a, for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. Remember, no greater love than this than a man that laid down his life for a friend. And here's Paul, he's like, perhaps for a good person, they might die. (laughs) But I mean, like, who's gonna lay down their life for the murderer down the street? Like, who's gonna lay down the life for the person that's abused someone? Like, who's who's gonna do that? Only person who would do that is Jesus Christ. The only person who would die for a wretch is Jesus Christ that would die for me Is Jesus Christ. Verse 8 says, But God proves his own love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jump to verse 9. It says, How much more then, since we have now been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? Verse 10 says, For if while we were enemies, I underlined that one right there, or if while we were, or if, while we were enemies. At one point, we were enemies of God. That's what the Bible is saying right here. We were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, then how much more have being reconciled, will we be saved by His life? So, the love of Christ calls people away from sin, not you and I. God's love calls people away. God's love changes their lives. If I try and change your life, then it's going to be rules and regulation. But if God changes your life, it's because you love God. It's because you have fallen in love with him. The love has changed and this is what we're going to talk about here in just a moment. I'm building the foundation. The love transitions from just a, just a friendly love to a, a love that I will give my life for. God, I love you with everything that is within me. Yes, I preach repentance. I believe that we've got to repent and turn away. Repentance is not just saying I'm sorry for my sins. That's just the first part of repentance. Repentance is a turning away. So not going back. So while well, 90% of us raised our hands and the rest of us need to raise our hands because we lied whenever I said raise your hand if you sinned. <laughs> Every person in this place, I would venture to say, couldn't make it. Oh, Joe, we were talking about this, 24 hours. I believe that many of us struggle with sin in such a way that in 24 hours, we probably sin. And that's what repentance is for, even though we make a mistake. God's calling us. You ever feel those little nudges from God that are like, oh, I should change that. But then we don't. The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do right and he doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So if I know what's right to do and I don't do it, then I am in sin. And that's separating my communication with God. I want to commune with God. So if we continue in sin, nothing else in this scriptures apply to us because we're still an enemy of God. Now, maybe you're like, well, Zach, you just said that God's love is conditional. Wrong. I did not. I'll give you a perfect example. <laughs> How many of you have gone to your husband at one point or maybe a person and you were just like, hey, I want to tell you about this really cool thing. But your husband stayed focused on his really cool thing and didn't listen to what you had to say. Did that feel good? No. no. Okay, how about this? Husbands, you were trying to do good and you did the dishes? And then your wife got mad at you because you did the dishes wrong? Like how can you do them wrong? They're clean, honey. <laughs> She's never gotten mad at me for the way I do dishes. I just get mad at her for hiding everything on me because that's what she does. <laughs> Here we go. In- if I do things, no, I don't know where this stuff is. Like, she moves it. Once I learn it, she's like, I gotta keep, I gotta keep myself valuable, so I hide it again. Yeah, I get an amen up here in the front, <laughs> in a new place, uh, so we can get angry at each other, right? Um. So how do I make myself an enemy with God? God loves me how I am. However, when I continue in sin, I position myself and I make the decision to make myself an enemy. Same thing in a husband and wife relationship. If I continually position, well, my husband didn't pay attention to my thing that was really important to me, and so now I'm not going to pay attention to his thing because he owes me something. Now, now love is owed like now we're in this transactional relationship with one another. Why do marriages end in divorce? Because we struggle with communicating, hey, I just need you to listen to me for just a few minutes. And then on the other side, we struggle with saying, okay, let me me make you feel valuable and listen to what you say. Marriage Counseling 101. (laughs) You're welcome, that was free. (laughs) We make ourselves enemies with our spouses we make ourselves enemies with our co-workers. You're like, but Zach, they continually do this thing and it absolutely drives me nuts. It doesn't matter, okay? God loves you, right, in such a way that he, he gave himself for you. He gave his only son that he would be crucified for each and every one of us so that I could have new life and be resurrected. And then I'm like conditional on my love. I'm conditional on like being okay with the coworker that continually does the thing that drives me nuts. That's why why the uh, Corinthians says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church because he knew wives were gonna make mistakes. But you know what? It didn't, it, didn't, it didn't leave it at that, like, oh, women are so bad. It's not what it was saying in the Corinthians. And I feel like some people interpret it, because then it goes on to say, like, why well, submit yourselves to your husbands? And we're like, I ain't submitting to nobody. <laughs> if there is love there, you have no problem submitting, I promise. If love, true love is there, why can we submit our lives to God? Because, that was a different scripture, It was because not of how we loved God, but because of how he loved us. The love was freely given. It wasn't conditional. He said, where where you are, I love you, but I'm going to change you. I'm going to transform you. So where you're at right now is not your final position. It's not where God is going to leave you. So when we're in our relationships in life, remember that God loves us. So I need to show the love of God in many ways in my relationship with my wife, with my friends, with my coworkers, with the person that drives me nuts when they're checking me out, or the person who passes me on the road and cuts me off. Lord, I can get so mad, and I can tell them. (laughs) I can let them know in my car how bad of a driver they are. Well, I do the same thing sometimes. Y'all think you're good drivers, and yet you still make mistakes. Ah, Lord. Okay, so what is God's expectation of us? Let's talk about this. Let's get back to John chapter uh, uh, 21. All right, so this brings us to our focus scripture today. I had to build all that stuff because we're talking about love, forgotten love, and sometimes we forget that spark that we need to have in our relationship with God. So this is what Jesus said to John. Let's read it again. And it says, When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told them. From the surface of the scripture, it may not make much sense. Matter of fact, if you read the next two after it, which if you were wondering, that's going to be like each week. um, (laughs) If you read the two after that, you'll be ahead of the curve for everyone. So you'll know what the scriptures say. But in this right here, maybe it doesn't make much sense sense in our English language. So I believe here that God is building a case for how we are to act and respond as the church. One of the things that the church has forgotten how to do is to love. And when I say that, I don't mean accept. I mean that we love. And when we love, we still preach repentance. We still preach that sin is sin and that we must turn away from our sin So uh, if I'm going to love and the church is going to love, then I'm going to have to love the poor, the widow. I'm going to have to uh, love the fatherless. I'm going to have to do the things that the Bible says. And I feel like in so many ways that the church has lost its love for God as a whole. So what does this mean? Let's break this scripture down. Let's jump through each of these. The very first word here is agapao. I uh, studied it. It's not agape. It's agapao, okay? I worked real hard to study that and learn that, and I, and I feel like this is very helpful for you guys. This is my pronunciation. Like, it's also similar to theirs, but agapao, right? That's how I say the word. That is the original Greek word, okay? And that is the word that Jesus says, do you love, That's the word he used. And this word means to welcome or to love dearly. And the Strong's definition means to love. What's crazy here, and I remember at a young age, I don't remember how young I was, but it was several years ago that I came to the realization that the love that Peter responds with is different than the love that Jesus said. Let's look at it. Phileo, eleo. Not filio, eleo. This word means to love, to like, to treat affectionately. So they both mean love. So in our English language, we translate it love. You know that I love you. And Jesus is like, do you love me? And Peter's like, yeah, you know I love you. But it was a different love that he was saying. Strong's definition means to be afraid. How many of you, I'm sorry, means to be a friend. (laughs) I put the word together and then spelled it wrong (laughs) in my head. (laughs) A friend. It says to be a friend. So something that's really interesting here, and this is where it drew my attention to the part where I believe that Jesus is building a case for how we're to respond, is this right here, is Peter responds with a different love. Some of us love God like that. A friend. We like the idea of God. We like romanticize the idea. How many of you have been in a relationship and you dropped the I love you thing on your third date and you were like, I love you so much. You're the girl of my dreams. I've waited for you all my life and you're 14. Like... And I said, you know, like, love is not just a simple word. <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but I said those same words, too. <laughs> I've been at that point where I, I liked her. I, yeah, sure. I loved her with the love of God. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's not even true. I don't even know what my grandma said. I'm going to ignore it. (laughs) Love is this action, right? And this very thing that is being depicted here is showing that the love that Peter uses is a different action than what Jesus was asking. Do you love me? And Peter's response is, we're cool. Yeah, we're bros. I love you like a brother. You know, like, I, I don't know. I, I think I love other people probably more than my brother. Um, <laughs> um, but in this usage of the word, it means to be a friend. So there's two different words for love, two different words that have been translated, the, that don't translate the same in our own language, agapao and phileo, one meaning friend and one meaning to love. So... Could it be that when we first come to God that our affection is friendly? We're excited about this new relationship. We're excited about this new friendship. But what God was really asking for was a different level of love. It wasn't just the friendly love, it wasn't just friendship it wasn't he didn't want you to call him up when you were just feeling down, but he wanted you to call him up when you when you were feeling great too. He wanted to have a relationship that he could commune with you it wasn't just and I feel like sometimes that we just have this friendly relationship with God I don't really want you to change me. How many of you would listen to your friends? no sometimes, but sometimes friends can be harsh and you know what I, If I love my wife, I'm going to learn where she hides things. But I'm also going to complain about along the way, just to be clear. (laughs) However, our affection for God has got to be more than friendly. Just like my affection for my wife has got to be more than friends. You don't make it 12 years just being friends there's got to be a deeper connection there's got to be something there is some give and take there's things that i've changed that she doesn't like because she's told me those things and so i changed those things and there's things that she's changed because i didn't like them that is how relationships work in the human realm and that is the exact same way that they work with our god i have got to come to this point where i'm like you know what i'm i don't want to just be friends with you anymore I want to love you deeper because that is what God was always calling. Why did he say agapao if he meant friendly love? He meant something more. He was calling Peter to something deeper. So what does it mean? How is this a response for the church? How is the church supposed to act? So when I was a kid, uh, the school would serve us Bosco sticks. Anyone else, does anyone know what those are, Bosco sticks? Oh, yeah. They're like, yeah, they're, they're, they're just like the breadsticks with cheese in them. Yeah, they, they were called Bosco sticks. However, when I was putting my sermon together and I came across the word, and I was like, no, it can't be pronounced like that. Sure enough, it's Bosco, the word to feed. Wow. <laughs> I learned Greek in high school and didn't even know it. Look at that. I'm, a, I'm so much smarter because of this school that I went to, and everyone's just now, they're just cheese sticks, you know, like, You could be smarter if they told him Bosco sticks. (laughs) So this is a verb, and it means, oh, and so that means there must be action with this. So the word translates to feed, and the biblical usage portrays the duty of the Christian to, the Christian teacher to promote in every way the spiritual welfare of the members of the church. So who's the teacher? Well, I'm a teacher. I try to be anyway. Sometimes, But we are all, should be teachers of the gospel. What did Jesus say? He said, go forth into every nation, teaching them. Oh, man, I messed it up. Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore into all the world. And I just, like, I'm, like, blanking right there. Someone quote it for me. (laughs) Preach the gospel to every Yes, thank you. Lord, that was embarrassing. (laughs) I'm glad you got the rest. <laughs> it's one of those more. I'm gonna blame my hand. <laughs> okay, Bosco. Let's talk about this. It's a deeper meaning, right here, than just feed, like give you food. I wish I had a Bosco stick to give you after church, so you could be like, oh, as I eat this, I'm gonna remember he fed me. But as we share the gospel, that is nourishment for people. That's how we. That's how we feed. Right. So, what does it mean? So it means that not everyone is going to be at the same place spiritually. He's talking about the Christian. it's the job of the Christian teacher to promote in every way the spiritual welfare of the members of the church. Would, would everyone say that we are, we are all on the same level, we all have the same ability to get to God, but I would say that some of us have studied more, have prayed more, have developed our relationship with God, and some of us are new. And why do I say that? Why do I bring it to that point? Because he said, the last word there is lambs." We're going to look at that here in just a moment, but what, what's important is that I have got to help someone that's struggling with sin. I've got to feed. We have got to feed one another. I love it when Joe, and I like mentioned this, like, I feel like every week, probably too much, but we just talk about iron sharpens iron. It's true. I need other men in my life to sharpen my walk with God. And I'm saying that in the sense that, yes, I do, but so do you. You need other men in your life. Yes, you, you know what? I believe that there can be great women teachers, women speakers, but you know what? I love it when another man helping sharpen my sword. I'll go back and forth with any person. I don't care if you're a man or woman. Like, I will, I will talk to you. But there's just something about it with my brothers in Christ come together and we talk about the goodness of God and we talk about what God has done in our lives. This last men's group was awesome. We got to talk. I got to hear stories about Woody that I had no idea. And so I am in need of others to feed me too. Like, it's hard to feed yourself. You ever seen a sheep feed itself? No? Okay. Let's look at this next word. Arneon. Arneon. This is a noun, and it means little lamb. So what is a lamb? Jesus said he's the good shepherd, right? That means, in my mind, lambs are new in their relationship with God. That means that when Jesus was talking about this here, he was talking about the little lambs, new people in their relationship with God. And then he was telling Peter, hey, you've been around for a minute, so you need to feed them. Now, he didn't tell them, hey, you need to beat those sheep and be a jerk to them, and that's what's going to get them in line. And you know what? Sometimes I feel like that's the only kind of thinking that we have. Like, well, I'm, I've got to—there's my Bible. I left it over here. I've got to beat this sheep and figure so that they figure out the word of God. Let me beat them with the word of God. And now they know the word of God, and now they hate the church, they hate God, they hate you, and they hate everyone else that's here. That's not how you do it. You don't feed with you don't feed being a jerk. I'm sorry, you just don't. Nobody's gonna want to eat it. Kick your dog and give it food at the same time. What's gonna happen? I've never kicked. Oh, I've never kicked my dog. Like I love my dog, but you know what? There are times I want to kick my dog. You know what? I have drawn up. But I won't do it because I love my dog so much it looks at me with its ears and its face and I'm like, I'm sorry. But I hate you right now. <laughs> my love for that dog is conditional. <laughs> Thankfully, God does not love me like I love my dog sometimes. Ooh, that gets me to a really good point. <laughs> the beauty of being a lamb is that you get to be a sheep. What, what, what is so great about being a sheep? Like, everybody's derogatory of sheep. And everybody's like, oh, you're just a sheep. The sheeple. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm God's sheeple. <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> it's where I'm supposed to be, because like, this is my sheep. <laughs> and so, like, I wanna be fed, so I'm gonna identify with the sheep. <laughs> like, it's so bad or something wait till I sell you on this sheep thing, you'll be like, you'll be walking out of here and be like, I am a sheep. <laughs> so, so for a lamb to become a lamb, it has to be born, right? I'm excited about baptism because I feel like as we come to God and your new creation in Christ, right? Behold, all things have become new. We're baptized um, into his death, um, uh, into his burial through baptism. So we're gonna have that today. But this means that This word brings growth because as I am a lamb, I also have to grow. If I'm a little lamb, I gotta stop being just a little lamb and being a big lamb, (laughs) being a sheep. So things change. That means God's word will produce sheep. Eventually, you'll be a sheep, but you may be a little lamb, and that's okay. I love being a sheep. Let me share with you. I wish this would play but don't worry, it'll be on Facebook tomorrow. I love being a sheep. This right here is a shepherd pulling his sheep out of a ditch, and if you could imagine that sheep, as soon as it gets out, it runs off along the side and jumps right back into the ditch. It's really awesome because it's really just a portrayal of my life and what it looks like, and what this is like (laughs) Jesus over here constantly pulling me out again, okay? So (laughs) here's something to consider. If you call Jesus the Good Shepherd, then you're going to have to love being a sheep. That means you get to be annoying, like a sheep. That means you get to ba 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 until you get fed all the time. Like you, that's. That's what it said. That's what Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. He wanted us to be sheep. He wants us to hunger and thirst after righteousness. He wants us to say, I need more of your spirit. He wants us to do that. So that means you're going to stink like sheep. What's that mean? <laughs> it means you're going to make mistakes. It means you're going to have screw-ups, that you're going to have mess-ups, and you're going to stink sometimes. But you know what? you got a good shepherd that's going to clean you up. You know what? That means you're going to do dumb stuff like a sheep. And you know what? I just want to clarify when I say you, I am including myself in the you. I'm talking about me too because this is my life. I'm still this guy that God's got to come and pull out of a ditch somewhere because I'm still messed up. I still have struggles. I still have problems. But we have a good shepherd that listens to our cries, that attends to our needs, we have a good shepherd that cleans us up. And so as the church, we should look at people and know that, hey, you're stinky like I am. Hey, you're dumb like I am. Hey, you're messed up like I am. And it's okay because we're all on the same playing field and we're all looking for the same shepherd. We're all listening for his voice. We need to, we need to move past this how we have forgotten to hear the voice of our shepherd and listen to our own voice. This is what we do all the time just listen to our own voice. We've got to move from that and come back to listening to the voice of our shepherd saying, come. <sighs> I love it. You know, uh, every once in a while, the, sh- the-, the shepherd, you know, they shear the sheep and stuff, and I don't know what goes into that, but I feel bad for them because it looks painful. And they do all those things. Sometimes the removing of things in our lives is painful, Sometimes the removing of things in our life doesn't feel good, but we're going to be clean. We're going to be better for it because he removed some stuff. I don't need this. But you know what? A shepherd doesn't shear the sheep to just throw it away. He shears the sheep so that it can be a profit for the kingdom. I want to continue to produce my stinky wool for God so that it can continue to be something for his kingdom. Just think about that. The mess up that is in your life God wants to use to further the kingdom. That all of a sudden brings clarity to my life and my role as a sheep. God, help me to be submitted to you. So, have you ever heard the phrase oh, he's just a lone sheep. No, if you're a lone sheep. You're generally a dead sheep. I say that because a lot of people are like, oh, I can do this on my own. I'll just watch my preachers on TV. You know what? I'll be my own pastor. I'll pastor myself. <laughs> it's like the worst things you can say to yourself. I'm saying that because I've done that. <laughs> I don't want to be alone. I need my brothers and sisters to help yeah. feed me. I need, I need Joe, I need you to help feed me. Jim, I need you to go to Costco with me. Just relationship like helps, helps build, uh, build up a person. And so here's how I'm gonna say this. I, I, I'm a smart sheep. I've made mistakes, okay? But here's why I'm a smart sheep. And if you wanna be a smart sheep, this is how you be a smart sheep. I've got some cuts. I've been in some ditches. I've been messed up. I've got a story. I've got some dirty wool, but my king has cleaned me. My shepherd came so that I could have new life. I may have some cuts, I may have a story of how I almost died, but but I know that there are some wonderful works that my shepherd has done to me. And so, he's come and found me when I was the lone sheep. I I I I, I was out there all on my own, but he came and found me and rescued me. He rescued me. I'm so thankful. And yes, there's been some correction throughout time, but now I want to walk next to my shepherd. I want to stay next to him because I know that goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want his rod of correction. I need that in my life. I need conviction. I need him to save me from myself. We need a shepherd. I need to be a sheep. So if you want to be a smart sheep, get next to Jesus. Get next to the shepherd because he's the good shepherd. You want food? You need to call out to him. You need to go ahead and make those cries. You want to be cleaned up? You've got to call out to him. This whole passage right here, something that I feel that we have forgotten as the church is that God was not leaving us in one place but he was calling us to something deeper. And that's what I put right here. A sheep puts its care on the, in the responsibility of the shepherd. We have got to put our care on him. God, I need you. God, I need you to care for me. And all of this scripture is calling us to have a deeper relationship with Jesus. Don't be satisfied with just a friendly relationship. That's not why he called you was so that he could have just a friendly relationship with you, but he's calling you for something deeper because he loves you. He loves your mess. He loves the stuff that you're in. He loves the, he doesn't love the ditch that you're stuck in right now, but he wants to pull you out of it, and I can promise you as you come to him and you listen to him, there's going to be desires that you don't act on anymore because you want to be pleasing to God. If it's in his word and it's sin, there's gonna be conviction that comes that causes us to change. That's why it's gotta be more than a friendly love. I've gotta have a love for God that when he does speak to me and does call me to change, I'm willing to do it. And the thing is, is the love is already there. So it makes it easy for me to do. It makes it easy for me to bow down and to let God do a work in my life Don't be satisfied with a friendly relationship. Rather, fall in love with him. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for his sacrifice. I'm so thankful that he loves us, that he cares about us. As this song plays, I want to encourage you, if you need something from God, I want you to know he's here to meet your need that he loves you, that he cares about you, that for whatever reason brought you to this place today, if there's one thing that you could leave with, know that God loves you, that he cares about you, and he doesn't want to leave you where you're at. God, I pray right now that you would touch us right now, God, that you would move in our lives. God, that you would touch us and strengthen us. God, as we listen for your voice, God, I pray you would draw us near, in Jesus' name. If you want prayer, if you'd like to join me here in the front, I invite you right now. I speak Jesus. I just want
1: to speak the name of Jesus. Till every dark addiction starts to break.
0: If you're you're afraid to make a life change today, that's okay. You can do it on Monday morning. You can do it on Thursday afternoon. You can do it on Friday night. You can make that change. But here's what I will tell you. The Bible says that we are not promised tomorrow. And so I challenge you, don't delay. If you need to deepen your relationship with God, don't wait. Do it now. I believe it. I want to share with you the questions for reflection. Here you go. How do I love Jesus? Is it the friendly love? Or is it the love, love, the agapao? I'll do anything for you, love. Am I a lamb? I hope the answer to this one is simply yes. I want to be a lamb. So what do I need to be a lamb? I've got to have a regeneration. I've got to have a new birth experience. I want to be a lamb. God, I need you to fill me. I've got a hunger and thirst for your spirit, a hunger and thirst for your righteousness. That's how we be a lamb. We're going to have a baptism. So I'm going to help him get ready here, and we're going to do that here in just a few moments. So if you want to hang out, it'll be in that other room over there.